Okay, so RB Podcast is back with episode three. We're going to spend another half an hour or so just looking at what's been going on with RB coaching over the last two weeks uh, and with football in general. Uh, of course, we've got Ryan here again to talk us through everything. How is everything, Ryan? Hi, Kieran. All good. Hi, everyone. Good. Ready to get stuck into some topics, Ryan? Yeah, 100%. Can't wait. Perfect. All right. So it's been a busy sort of last two, three weeks, hasn't it? Um, it what's been going on at RB? So we we finished our receiving module um, and we're still on our five to one sessions. And we the last couple of weeks, we've really focused on passing um, and teaching the players a variety of different passes. I think we taught, I think we taught 20 different ways of, of passing the ball throughout the throughout the module, the two-week module, um, which, was, which was fantastic, really exciting. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of passing. I love passing. I, you know, I love everything about it in terms of the way you can get different different outcomes out of different passes from different situations. So, yeah, we're, we're doing lots of passing. I think I think even like straight away brought up an interesting point. So you, you, you've looked at 20 different types of passes and that, even, that won't even be the half of it, will there? There's so many different variations of passes that you can end up doing when you're out on a football pitch that, that half the lads won't even realise. No, 100%. I said to the players, look, you know, if you want to reach a really good level of football, you have to have every single pass in your locker, you know, right foot and left foot. Um, so there's lots to learn. And, but, you know, our expectations are, are low of the players. You know, we're not expecting players to be able to, you know, pass 60 yards like David Beckham or play really clever passes like Bruno Fernandes straight away. You know, everything's a, everything can be taught, everything's an education and everything involves a little bit of repetition as well. You know, the more they do it, the more they're in them situations. Um, they'll only add to their, their kind of drill passing library. Mm, I think the, the repetition element there is massive and, and obviously with the sessions that you put on, the repetition has been massive because there's been 15 minutes on each station where they've constantly gone over the same pass and hopefully, obviously, that, that sort of sticks. But... What sort of passes were, were we looking at? Well, you know, there's, there's probably more than 20 in a way because some of the stations involved um, multiple passes. But we, we kind of started basic, really, you know, in terms of actually teaching the fundamentals and the basics of passing because a lot of children don't get that right or not taught it from a young age. And, you know, they end up kind of like when they, when they strike the ball, their, their foot kind of doesn't follow through, which then produces a little bit of backspin rather than actually their foot going through the ball and it produces top spin, which makes the pass cleaner. So, you know, we've done a lot of kind of like basic roll passes and we, we added that into um, a session where the players had to whip the ball through a basic roll pass. We then looked at disguise whip. You know, we looked at driven passes. We looked at lofted passes. We looked at really clever disguised passes, you know, around the corner. We looked, we dedicated a whole hour to one-touch passing, which for me is, you know, it's massive. If players want to really want to take their game to the next level, one touch passing is something they need to be dedicated and focused on. And um, we, we, you know, we I think we covered everything here. You know, as we we we're massive on the detail. Yeah, no, I think it's quite interesting as well that you know, a lot of people have this perception that the sort of the great passers and and even like the teams like Spain and Barcelona's people like like everything's on the floor. But from the sessions that we were doing, it, it proves that passing doesn't have to just be on the floor all the time. There's a lot aerially, there's a lot different parts of your body, clever little passes. It, it, it can be anything, can't it? Yeah, I think, you know, I associate passing to pictures or photos. So players need to recognise what type of pass will get the ball from A to B based on the situation. So sometimes they might can go, can go through the opposition with a, with a fast roll pass. 
Sometimes they might have to bend it around a player to get it from A to B. Sometimes they might have to go over the opposition to land it in the space that they want to play. You know, and, and talking about space passes as well, you know, we dedicated a lot of the, the sessions to actually players getting players to understand that a pass doesn't have to be to feet all the time. A pass can actually be into space. So whether that be a, a through ball or a, or a soft roll pass to invite a, a teammate into an um, into an area, you know. So players have to understand that there are multiple ways to pass a ball based on different scenarios. And when when a player associates a, a passing technique with a scenario that's when real learning takes place. Mm -hmm. I think there is almost a, well, there, of course there is a purpose to every sort of pass that a player will make. And the person might not think about that at the time they're making that pass, but there does have to be a purpose. You know, are you moving uh, defenders around or, or something like that? Every pass will have a purpose, won't it? Yeah, I think every pass has a message, you know, and, you know, I, I could play to you, Kieran, and pass it to your left-hand side. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, to do something with the ball based on the information from my pass. If I'm, if I'm playing a soft pass to you, it invites you into a space. If I play a firm pass to you, it's telling you to take a touch. You know, if, if I if I play it into the space, I'm inviting you into that space. So every pass, yeah, 100% has a message, you know, attached to the receiver. Mm, I think that's actually quite an interesting point about, about the weight of the pass as well. So certainly for, from my perspective, I was just thinking about it then, that when I was growing up, I probably didn't, understand straight away that the difference it makes in terms of sort of really punching a pass in or a little bit softer or something like that and the effect that then that, that then has on the receiver um so obviously with the sessions we've been doing hopefully it's getting those ideas in the lads heads girls and boys heads nice and early yeah yeah and i, I always um, go back to you know you speak about um barcelona um, i remember michael carrick giving an interview when he played against barcelona in, in the champions league final and he said it was very, very difficult to play against that kind of midfield trio of Busquets, Abbey and Esther because, going back to what I said about passing has a message, they would always play a pass that kind of invited the press, but not enough to actually go and tackle them. So it was always a pass kind of like to, like a, not safe side, but the open side, which invited the pressure in, only for them to kind of bounce it around them again. So they're almost one yeah, step ahead. It, it was very, very clever the way he kind of, um, the, well, the way Barcelona played. You know, you in, that, that, that softer pass invited the pressure in, but the, the pressure never got anywhere near it. Yeah, it I, was, um, you know, very clever. I, I think that the more of the repetition and the more that the, the boys and girls end up practicing it, it, it will get to a case of you can almost become one step ahead, can't you, of a defending team when you are on that ball and you are passing it. I think so. I think I think the process with anything that we teach is to create unbreakable technique. You know, and once a pass, in my opinion, is stored in their football library, so they understand how the pass looks, how the pass feels, how to execute it 100%, and then you associate the pass with a the picture, then that for me is automatic and it's unbreakable. Yeah, no, it's good. Definitely that repetition, the more, the more they do it, the more they'll understand it. But in sort of world football now, if, if the girls and boys were going to look at YouTube or anything like that to see loads of different passing variations, is there anyone you think sort of stands out? Uh, well, in, in, in my era, you've got the likes of, you know, Beckham and, and Pirlo, you know, who could, they, could, they could play any pass, short or long, and drop it drop it on a sixpence. You know, in, in the modern game, the, the, every player these days needs to be able to pass a ball with loads of different um, variations. So if you look at someone like Van Dykes at Liverpool, the way he effortlessly plays like a 50-60 yard pass 
that kind of driven or lofted pass. You know, his technique is absolutely brilliant. You even look at got the goalkeeper at Man City who can play short and long just as just as effective. Alexander Arnold again, he's got fantastic variety in his passing. Then then you then you touch on kind of, you know, midfield players. You know, some someone like Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, Verratti, um, those type of players who, who have excelled with their passing technique. And then then you go further up the pitch and you look for players that play, you know, killer passes, you know, and and provide assists from that area. Like De Bruyne is, is a fantastic example for players to watch. Look at the way he can manipulate the ball and 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 deliver passes in space to feet with purpose with you know with intelligence and, and then you look at strikers who who play off one touch very well I, 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 Giroud stands out to me you know the ball goes into him for Chelsea and he, he bounces it off first time he sets people you know little things like that provide you know the players with a, a, a good role model to have a look at and see the techniques that we teach RB coaching and, and how they're relative to the professionals that play at the moment yeah I think obviously that shows as well how important it is no matter what position you're playing in you've got to have a variation of passes in your locker that you're comfortable doing yeah I agree 100% for, for me I think I'll go on about him all the time because for me he is the best player to ever have played football but Messi so obviously he's known for his goal scoring ability but as he started to get a bit older, okay, he's still scoring goals, but when I watch him, he's dropping deeper. And for me, his range of passing is just unbelievable. I think that, that goes unnoticed with Messi. I think he's got 21 assists this season. Yeah. But yeah, his, his level of detail with his passing and with his assists is just on another level. You know, you speak about his dribbling, his finishing, but for me, he, he is probably still one of the top three passers of the ball in the game and he's one of them players that can go and play defensive midfield if he wants to and he can run the game from there with his passing technique yeah. it just shows what a kind of universal footballer he is you can actually see you can see him getting frustrated when players aren't on his wavelength so he's making passes you know he might fire one in so someone has to take a touch and move a defence round or he'll play some, a pass in front of somebody so there's space there for them to attack and if those players don't do those things you can actually see him getting frustrated because they're not on the same wavelength as him I don't think anyone ever will be. That's <laughs> yeah, a good point. It's a good point. But well, obviously, all the all the passing stuff we've done, it's still been um, sort of non-contact, hasn't it? Everything we've done over the last sort of two months has been non-contact because of what's been going on with with COVID and stuff like that. But over the last sort of week, the, the government and the FA have brought out new guidelines, haven't they? So, is anything going to change with with the RB sessions or? Well, we're, we're committed to seeing out our five to one sessions. Um, so, at, at the moment, we're on our crossing and finishing module or finishing from crosses module um so we're, st we're sticking that at the time being because we don't want to change it halfway through um but yeah the government have come out and the fa have come out and said yeah we are allowed um, more contact sessions in social bubbles and um, larger group numbers so hopefully we're going back to our eight to one stuff from august um we've got some elite technical camps next week which is the first time we'll we will be able to deliver some contact sessions and you know having to think about the sessions when i was you know, had a bit of time to myself. We've decided to kind of elaborate on what we've taught so far. So we've got our receiving module, passing module, and crossing and finishing module. And a really, a really good idea that we're going to look to do next week is how can we build them techniques now into contact? So there'll be a session for receiving under pressure, passing under pressure, and actually a live scenario of crossing and finishing. So it's actually a really good add-on to what we've what we've delivered so far in the last couple of months. Yeah, no, that's a good point, actually, because obviously, hopefully, over the, the last few weeks, the techniques will be there. 
But it is yeah. completely different when you get into that sort of live scenario and you've got defenders around you. You've not only got to have the right technique, but you've got to be aware of where the defenders are as well. Yeah, now, now it becomes a little bit more skill-based rather than technique-based. You know, so players have to associate the technique with, like I mentioned earlier, uh, a situation and a photo. But that's when real learning takes place. So I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into the, the technical camps next week and we should see some you know, fantastic performances. Have you have you got a sort of are you expecting anything? Obviously, there's been sort of no contact in football for the last three four months. So so the lads are not going to have had or not going to have really played against defenders or anything for for quite a while. Are you expecting them to be sort of not used to it, or or will they just sort of flow straight back into it? Do you think? I think I think it might take them a period of adjustment, but I think you know the, the smiley faces from the boys and girls. I think I think they'll absolutely embrace it and absolutely love it. You know and and. Um, and so are we as coaches. Mm, I'm just looking at the, the guidelines here. So obviously you've got until the 31st of July, um, you can begin competitive training. And then from August, you can start having matches and, and stuff like that. So, you know, obviously people away from RB, they, they do have their own sort of um, groups that they play with as well. And sort of how, how excited do you think it will be for, for them to just get back to playing normal football, you know, matches, scoring goals, stuff like that? Oh, I, I think I think it's a, it's a welcome it's a welcome relief for for parents, for managers, but also well, mainly mainly the players. It's all about them, isn't it? Um, so I think I think again they'll, they'll embrace it, they'll love it. Um, but you know, I, I'm being on the edge of caution here. You know, it, it's players might pick up a few more injuries. You know, they won't be used to that kind of contact as such. You know, with the body, um, then it's really important that they don't do too much too early. You know. Um, because we don't want to risk kind of injury or, um, but you know, it's a, it's a massive change, isn't it? It's a massive change mm-hmm. going from nothing to everything. So you know, just just edging on the edging on the side of caution. Players need to be just wary a little bit more. Yeah, well, hope, hopefully it'll kind of like it's a, it's a gradual change, isn't it? So it won't be straight away back into it, but it'll be it'll be gradually there. And like you said, they'll be able to have time to, um, you know, get adjust. used, get you, yeah, adjust basically, get used to it all. And starts his first competitive season, and they've got a few friendlies, friendlies booked in. So I'm looking forward to, you know, as a parent, watching watching him start his journey as well. And he, you know, he's really excited to to be able to play in his first season. And you know, with the lift of the FA rules, you know, he's excited to, you know, um, have a bit of contact and have some fresh. Mm. Hopefully, obviously, from the from the parents' point of view, that with these last sort of two week or or month, basically, they've been at RB and all the techniques that they've been um, practicing. Hopefully now we're starting to get into games again. They're going to be able to see the boys and girls basically putting all these in practice. I, I think so, and I, I hope so, and, I, and I'm sure the players. I'm sure the players will. Because that, that's the override name, isn't it? For, for you to get these techniques to, to develop them in the in the sessions that you do, but then when they get onto the game situations, you want to be you want these the lads to, to be using them basically. Yeah, I agree, and you know we we get loads of feedback from parents saying, "Oh, you know." thank you for teaching them this and this because we start to see it loads in their matches and it makes them unique and makes them stand out. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that the whole point of our our centres and our programme is to develop players technically, develop them to help them make really good decisions on the football pitch so that they can actually use it in their games and expand their, expand their knowledge and their profile. Mm. Let's hope for a lot, of, uh, a lot of good passes then, one touch, different variations. I hope so. Players follow our, our golden rules of learning, you know, and you know, remaining a really comfortable body shape and 
you know, in, enjoy the process of, of passing the ball at the right time um, and making good decisions. But that's not to say that the players can't try um, creative ways of passing the ball and try and try and killer passes. I think that's important. We don't want to we don't want to make players become robots. You know, I look at Bruno Fernandes for Manchester United, and he gives the ball away so much. But when he does do something cleverly off one touch or around the corner or try through when it comes off, he's labelled a superstar, which he is. You know, so players need to understand that they've got to take risks with their, risks with their passing. I think that's really important. I think that's an interesting topic, actually. I think you, you can get a lot of people who almost, they, they, they don't want to make a mistake, they don't want to give the ball away, stuff like that. But in order for you to be that person that actually stands out in the end and does the does the real sort of, you know, killer pass or something like that, like you just said, you've got to be willing to, to know that you're going to get intercepted sometimes and stuff like that, haven't you? Yeah, I think, you know, if, if players play too safe, you know, nothing ever gets created. You know, especially in the final third where we ask players to take risks and, and, and play play clever passes, they're, they're, the one, they're the ones that really kick on because they've took risks. And the more, the more risks they take with the ball eventually, they become programmed to... Then, then harder passes become easier to play the more they do them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think it also takes quite a, a good bit of sort of... Um... Obviously, you've got to learn to, to to know what that's going to feel like as well in your own head because you will get some some people who, when they give the ball away, they'll get frustrated and it will stop them from then wanting to try these things. But it's a real sort of mental technique, isn't it, to actually understand, right, this is going to happen and I've got to learn, basically. I agree. And I think it comes down from the players' coaches as well. If the players' coaches are, are giving them a bit of a telling off for playing a, a through ball when they could have played it simple, I think that sends, that sends the wrong message out to players as well. You know, there are times to move the ball quick. Of course, there is. There's times to keep it. There's times to keep it simple. But there are also times to take risks. And I think you know, we at RBK can try and teach teach all the players to to be able to master the, every single type of passer when it, they are in that situation that they they can believe that they can achieve it. I, th- I think that's obviously that's one of the biggest parts of, of the sessions at RB for me. Like whenever I'm doing a session, I always try and tell the uh, boys and girls that you know making mistakes in these sessions is fine because that that's the only way you really learn isn't it yeah and, and the, the coaches you know like myself and yourself you know yourself and all the other fantastic team of staff they're there to educate you know and you know we're we're there to develop them technically so when it does go wrong we will provide them with the accurate feedback to help them achieve and it, you know what's, what's really nice to see is when we start these our sessions Players struggle. Players struggle with the technique, but by the end of the session, they can all do it. They can all achieve it. Now, once they follow our, our technical tips, you know the, the progress within all our stations, all our stations or sessions has been remarkable, especially with the passing module. And and when players do make mistakes, you know, if you if you kind of laugh it off with them and have a bit of fun with it, they love that. Mm. You know, for me, you know, coaches sometimes can get a little bit too serious. You know. Um, and players don't respond to that these days. So having having a bit of fun and giving them the right guidance, technical guidance, you know, can help any players achieve what they want to achieve in, in any type of situation or any type of technique. Yeah. Um, you, you touched on it briefly about the sort of RB plans moving forward, but you know, you said next next few weeks you're hoping for what is it? Sort of masterclasses or all day sessions, basically. Yeah. So we've got some technical camps next week. Um, 
Nick Gray is also looking to, to start his football playground uh, soccer camps, which work a little bit differently. They're more based on, on fun, shooting and matches, so less less kind of education, really. Next week's going to be a bit different. The players will be educated throughout the day. Um, so a bit more of a coaching environment. Um, and then the plan the plan for August is we're just developing our, our timetable now. Although it's not going to be fully back to normal in terms of um, the centres on certain days, um, that will be spread out across six or seven different venues. But we are we are likely to go back to an eight to one capacity. You know, we are likely to um, go back to full contact, like we've mentioned. You know, and August will be dedicated to finishing and shooting. Um, so the whole month will be. I'm, I'm sure it'll be thoroughly enjoyed by the coaches and players because you know what 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 child doesn't like shooting? But we'll, as always, we will provide the players with a structured shooting session, which will help them become better in certain situations where they're finishing especially and especially their ball striking so yeah that's the plan for August um, we're also going to be Kieran I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a bit of a road show on a Sunday mm-hmm. um, one thing that I have noticed throughout the kind of passing and crossing and finishing module so far is that players are struggling on their so-called other foot mm-hmm. I don't like to call it weaker foot because it sends the wrong message um, so I will be dropping in um, three or four different venues on a Sunday and putting a little masterclass on how to improve your other foot because there are there's five or six key messages that I want to get across to players and once they follow them key messages their other foot instantly becomes more confident and the players get to use it a little bit more and um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, working on them clinics with selected number of players um, just so that they can feel a bit more powerful and confident with using their other foot because as you know mate if, if players really want to progress in the game, they have to be competent off both feet. Yeah, 100%. And obviously, the, the age everybody's at now at the moment when they're at RB is, is the perfect time to sort of crack on with it because the longer you go, if you get to sort of 15, 16, 17 and you're still not used to using your other foot, uh, it's highly likely that you probably won't use it very much. Yeah, I agree. I think that you've got like perfect, perfect technical window now between the ages of kind of like four and four and twelve, where if players get enough repetition and understand how to use their other foot, um, it, it can be stored permanently. And then just just imagine how much better a child's game would be if they can do the same with one foot and mirror it with the other foot. It just opens up so many more different types of passes and situations where they can be successful. Yeah, there's plenty of options. But well, speaking of a, of a lad who's um, obviously very technically gifted on both feet, we, we've just had um, Jude Bellingham obviously move to Borussia Dortmund. Was it twenty six million pound or something like that for a seventeen year old? How much of an achievement is that for him and for Birmingham and just you know showing how good sort of the young players around this the Midlands can be? First and foremost, it, it um, he becomes a he becomes a role model to many people straight away, especially especially at the Blues Academy. Um, but yeah, I know, I know the guys at Blues. I think they're a fantastic bunch of academy staff. So you know, um, credit to everyone that's had a role in his development. Um, but fantastic for the lad. What a move! You know, to go to Dortmund where he'll get minutes, he'll develop. You know, away from the spotlight over here, and you know, fully expecting him to return to the Premier League in the next three, three, four years once he's developed. But a massive achievement. Seventeen-year-old going for twenty-two million pound. You know, is 
you know, I watched it. I watched him play a few times this season. You know, he, he is an incredible talent for seventeen. The players, the players of Birmingham speak about him very, very highly in terms of his attitude, his motivation, and obviously his talent. But yeah, fantastic move. Well done to everyone that's been involved in his his development. It's an interesting one, really. Like seventeen, obviously his size plays plays a, a big effect in that, <clears throat> in terms of how well he copes in the men's game, but. Have you heard stories about him in terms of how hard he works technically, and how was he? How was he? How do you think he's got to 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 where he is in ability level? Uh, to answer the second question, I think Birmingham's obviously embraced his talent from a young age. You know, they've they've they've, they've not moulded him into a a kind of ro- robotic player. They've they've embraced his 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 one v one game and, and let him flourish. Gave him a lot of encouragement. You know. It's, to get to that level also, you know, his family must have played a massive role in keeping his, you know, keeping his appetite, keeping his motivation, but also providing some really good support systems along the way. So I think, you know, on a broader perspective, I think coaches, family, you know, friends, they've all played their part in, in, in his success. But, you know, speaking to a, a few of the Blue players, and we had that interview in Q&A with Jack and Candy, where he, he mentioned Jude was the best player at the club. You know, and it's crazy to think a seventeen-year-old is the best player at a championship football club. Yeah, do, do you think he'll play much at Dortmund? Do you think he'll go straight into their team? I don't think he'll go straight into the team. No, I, I think it'll be it'll, it'll be a process. I think you, you're probably looking at maybe about twenty appearances next year, um, and then you know building on from there. But you know, sometimes you can throw kids in too quick, too soon, and it doesn't progress them as much as they want. So I, I think I think Dublin will look after him a bit like they did with Sancho in, in, in his first season. Yeah, I think it's important that it, it's still a process, isn't it? Like obviously he's seventeen, he's moved for twenty odd million pound, but there's no mean there's there's no nothing there saying that he's going to be an unbelievable player for the next 10, 15 years. It's still a process of him learning, still getting better. He hasn't cracked it yet, has he? No, no, I, I don't think players reach their their peak till they're twenty six, twenty seven. I think I had a conversation with you the other day about your own. Football career, Kieran. You know, it's a big, it's a big year for yourself. Um, you know, a big couple of years for yourself where you really got to find your way in the game. You know, and, and progress. But you know, I, I think he'll, I think he'll develop, and we won't see the best of Drew Bellingham until he's about twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah, but I, I, even that, obviously, it just shows that the different routes people can go down. You, you've got the likes of Jude being sold for twenty million pound at seventeen, but then you get players coming through who have worked hard till they're twenty four, twenty five, and then eventually get their chance. There's no real way of doing it, is there? No, no, players will drop out of the system, you know, players will go and play non-league and then eventually find their way into the professional game at, like, say, 24, 25. But there, there is no room, you know, players players should never give up hope of wanting to become a professional footballer, you know, but um, the characteristics of becoming a footballer, as you know, Kieran, yourself, you, you know, you're a professional at, at Fleetwood, um, you know, you've got to work hard, you've got to do more than everyone else, you've got to dedicate your life to, to the profession. It's an, as soon as you don't dedicate your life to the profession, you know, things things take a, a bit of a spiral downwards. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I think that the mental side of the game it has a massive, massive part to play as well. Like we spoke about earlier, not being afraid to make mistakes and understanding setbacks and learning curves and stuff like that. That takes a, a lot of learning. But um, the more that you can do that and, and the sort of more exposure you get to that, hopefully you can take it in and learn from it. So it's not easy, but there's loads of different routes. And obviously we've seen a 17-year-old go for 20-odd million, but it's not doesn't mean that lads who are... 13, 14, 15 and might not be in academy or something like that aren't going to make it in the pro game because they certainly can. Um, 
just looking as well, obviously locally, well, not locally to start off with, Leeds going up from the Championship. Couple of, couple of words on Leeds. I'm a Leeds fan, Ryan. How good of a team are they at the moment? Amazing. Amazing. I, I, I love watching Leeds. I, I even watch all their highlights and everything, just, just the way they play. And it's, it's very unique. And let's not forget the, the incredible intensity they play with, you know, on the ball and off the ball. I think they're going to be fantastic in the Premier League next season. They will they will light up the league. I'm, I'm expecting a top 10 finish minimum. Go on, I, I hope Bielsa, so. Bielsa is, you know, categorised as one of the best coaches in world football. You know, and, you know, I, I, I just think he's fantastic leads are back. You know, I, I, I spoke to you the other day, I remember playing against Leeds at um, their academy and I was under 16s and what, what a place, you know, the, the feel of the place, you know, it, it's a Premier League football club. It, it's, it's a European football club, really. And, no, I'm, I'm you know, I'm hopeful. Yeah. Um, at least we'll probably probably qualify for Europe in the next two two three years and and you know kick on. Fingers crossed. I think first things first, it'd be massive to get the fans back in the stadium because the Leeds fans are uh, crazy about their team, aren't they? But other fans obviously were crazy about their team, and I'm sure Tony, one of the RB coaches, will be pleased with having a little chat about this. We've got about a minute left to speak about Villa, so we can't go on too long. But um, obviously, massive win for them last night. What's what's your thinking? You think they're going to stay up? Up and some of the players <laughs> but, but um, you know I'm hoping they go down to be fair so they have a good game against Coventry next year it's an easy six points for Coventry <laughs> anyway um, but um, I, I don't know I don't know personally I think they'll still go down <laughs> um, no they'll, they'll, they'll still go down it's going to be an exciting last day isn't it and, yeah they'll get relegated next year as well they'll, they'll be in League 1 in a couple of years time. Oh, God. They, they, they did well last night they, they had been more resilient last night against Arsenal um, but Arsenal by the way you have to beat your man City in Liverpool that just sums Arsenal up in my opinion it does mate it does good right well obviously it's going to be an exciting last day of the season in the Prem so fingers crossed for all the Villa fans out there but Ryan we're obviously coming to the end so we've done another one there brilliant thanks Kieran alright no worries we'll sign off there see you later guys see you mate